So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, it is our honor and it is our privilege to have. He is, uh, look, no one looks better. In fact, I have hope as a man who as short as I am, but he, with if you have a fresh haircut, a trim, firm beard, and you look as good in a three-piece, nice-looking suit on national television as Adam Amin does, you can get a lot of places. But he, of course, he has a great, wonderful voice as well. Adam Amin of Fox Sports uh, joins us here on the Full Court Press. Adam, a man, thank you. <laughs> what what, is, what the hell was that intro? Was do, you, do you like that or, or, or no? Uh, I, I liked it. I <laughs> it was very good. It was it was way off base. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is so, like, objectively wrong. Like, <laughs> well, hey, I, look, I, I don't think most people can agree on this. <laughs> I've seen you on national television. I, I'm telling you, like I just I'm like you know what? I might be short. But and and I and with all due respect, I say this, Adam. I see the oh, the, course, the haircuts, the trim beards, and I say, if I can look like that, I've got a shot. I've- I that is very kind. That is very <laughs> kind of you to say. I appreciate that. That's tremendous. I am. I I take that to heart. My heart is full. That is very kind of you to say. You also feel incredibly awkward right now too, and I don't blame you. For, so forgive me, uh, well, Adam. You've alleviated you alleviated a little bit, so I do appreciate. At least there's that. <laughs> Adam, congratulations on your new gig with Fox Sports. We're happy for you. I wanted to ask, and I know this sounds a little bit egocentric to, to make you answer this, but what was the transition and the decision to go from ESPN, where you called some incredibly memorable games, to go to Fox Sports? I think just uh, you know the opportunity to grow a little bit at, at Fox and and to challenge you know to, to take on a new challenge of you know focusing on major league baseball and the NFL and, and kind of locking in and narrowing down the portfolio a little bit. Uh, the bulls thing had a lot to do with it. It was just the flexibility of being able to do all of it. Uh, not that ESPN wouldn't have been, it's just really a good fit, you know, at Fox. And I don't think I, uh, I would have, I wouldn't have left if I didn't feel that it was the right time and the right opportunity. Uh, I, I, I thought very carefully about this. So it was, it was certainly a difficult thing you know, in the, in the, uh, you know, first world problem sense of things like, you know, where do I want to work? It's, it's, it's a very fortunate, very, uh, lucky position to be in. So I, I, I understand that, but, uh, it, it was, you know, it was definitely a difficult decision for a lot of factors, you know, nine years at, at one place that you like a lot, uh, and then grew up at, uh, it's not, not easy to leave, but, uh, I feel like I made the, the, the right choice and the right decision. What's your schedule looking like now going from basically a summer without sports to every sport imaginable back in July? I mean, we'll see. You know, that, that's the thing. We're, we're all kind of in a holding pattern as it is right now. Most broadcasters uh, and most networks are as well until there's a schedule created. You know, that the one thing is it's, it's good to have an opening day set July 23rd or 24th. It's good to have the NBA back late in, you know, last two days of July but until a schedule is created, you can't really create a TV schedule to follow it up. So that's uh, that's still the next step, and that's what the next several weeks are gonna are gonna reveal to uh, to a lot of us. So we're your, looking forward to it. Your talent has allowed you to call so many different sports. I know this is kind of a broad question to ask you, but is there a stadium that you haven't been in that you've been desperately wanting to be a part of to call a game? I mean, you know. Getting to go to a lot of these college towns affords you unique opportunities to enjoy a unique atmosphere. Like that's the one thing about, you know, the word unique means one of a kind and every place you go to in particular in college football, 
is one of a kind. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's very specific to that place and that city and that town and that university and that 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 school. So, you know, there's so many that I never had yet had an opportunity to check out on the college, especially on the college football end of things, whether it's in the Pac-12 or the Big Ten. Uh, in particular, you know, I got to see a lot of the SEC, a lot of the ACC. Um, you know, I, I, I made my rounds in, in those places, but, you know, Big Ten, Pac-12 didn't really get to experience as much as I would have liked to, um, you know, in my, in my time covering college football. Like, so th- there's, there's a bunch out there, man. Michigan, Notre Dame, uh, two places I hadn't been to yet. Um, you know, a couple spots in the SEC that I still would have, you know, like to check out but nothing that i like look back on and say ah shoot i can't believe i didn't get a chance to go there you when, when you when you get uh you know the, as many opportunities to do some some cool stuff as i was lucky enough to do you know you're gonna you're gonna get your fill of just cool experiences if you look at them individually so with all the the sheer amount of just different events sporting events and sports you've covered what what was the toughest one to get prepared for I I would say on a weekly basis, probably college football, just because of the sheer depth of the rosters. Like the NFL is a cakewalk in comparison to college football, just because it's for, you know, there's 53 per roster, only 46 are going to dress on Sunday. You know, you're, that's less than a hundred people that you have to worry about. And uh, that's, that's one roster potentially in college. You don't know who's dressing, who's not. Uh, they got double numbers, like just, just so by just sheer depth of information, the sport is so big, like it's, and it's so interconnected, you know, what happens in the ACC affects, could potentially affect a team in the big 10 and, and it could affect a team in the big 12. And, and that's just how college football is created. You know, that's the infrastructure of it. Um, and the, there's so much connectivity to it that you really have to be up on all of it, especially if you're covering it at a high level and you're covering teams that are in the, in the playoff picture or the big game picture. So I think just by sheer depth alone, college football is probably the most difficult, but in terms of like depth of history, major league baseball, you know, just the level of history that, that is revered in, in that sport. I mean, that makes that difficult. You know, each one is unique. You know, each one has its uh, specific challenges. But I think if we're talking about depth, then it's probably like college football and Major League Baseball. You've been able to call the women to Final Four in some of the most memorable games probably in women's Final Four history, without a doubt, and also women's college football World Series. Can you talk about the appreciation you have for those women athletes and, and what they're able to, uh, the show they're able to put on for the fans? Yeah, it's just, I, I went into it not thinking about it in that sense. I, I have, ne- I never have. And that goes back to when I played, you know, volleyball in junior high, you know, that, the, the, that wasn't considered necessarily like the, the, it wasn't like up to the level of football in terms of masculinity. It's just a sport that I like. And it was, and when you start playing it, it's hard, you know, like it's like the rigors of it are unique to that sport, but like, it's a hard sport to be good at. So uh, my appreciation level for it just skyrocketed, whether it was men's or women's, it didn't matter to me anymore. I, we, you know, we, our teams played the women's teams all the time and we all got better because of it. So it never struck me as odd to think of women's sports or, or it struck me as odd to think of women's sports differently than men's. It was just, you know, in my, in my 
perspective, it was just, Hey, it's a sport. Let's go cover it. You know, when we got to college uh, at Valpo, the first sport I asked to cover was, was the women's volleyball team because I had played and I loved the sport and I wanted to broadcast it. And I got that opportunity. So when I was immersed in it right away, it never occurred to me as being anything other than just the next game to call or the next game to cover or the next team to interview or whatever it was. Uh, and I think having that level of kind of conditioning to it and then going to my first full-time job out of school covering, you know, a really successful girls basketball team. Like I'm not, I don't really care that it's a girls team. I'm just happy they're good. So we have something exciting to cover. Uh, I think that's, where it, where, where it comes from, just an appreciation for it as a sport and not as something that has to be treated with any type of other gloves, just to treat it with the same level of respect and, and preparation that you would any big event. Uh, I think that's probably the thing that, that I'm, or it's certainly one of the things I'm proudest of in my time at ESPN is that we tried to elevate women's sports, not because they were women's sports, but because they were really good and they were entertaining as much as any other sports I would cover. So why would I treat them any differently? And I'm proud of how we, how we try to elevate that coverage. Great answer. Mr. Amin, congratulations again on uh, uh, being announced, going to be one of the main TV announcers for the Chicago Bulls. Um, What are the, to you, uh, what are the big differences and different challenges between doing the same team uh, with like you will with the Bulls versus doing a set events like with college football where you're not necessarily following the same team each week? Yeah, I think uh, what's cool about it is you get to invest yourself, invest a little bit more of yourself into the job. Uh, you know, that fandom that I had. So, and again, the Bulls are my hometown team. I grew up with them. Go Bulls. Like, I'm, I'm very, exactly. Like I'm very familiar <laughs> with like the emo, like I'm familiar with the emotional connectivity of this team. So I think having that and being able to put a little bit of that into the call and into the job and how you perceive, uh, you know, two different teams, like you get to perceive one team as better, like as the heroes of that particular night, like you're working with that, with that group. And that's fun. That, that concept sounds fun to me. It sounds like a new challenge. It's something I haven't really been able to do outside of a couple spurts in probably nine years, you know, last time I worked for a team full time was nine years ago. So that excites me. I think the challenge of it is to try to be as informed on the other team as possible, because you're going to know so much about your team. And then it's one thing to have as much knowledge as possible. You have to kind of be judicious in how you distribute that knowledge. Like if I'm doing a national NBA game and it's the Bulls and the Kings, I'm going to probably discuss both teams to a fair, you know, equality, not, you know, the game itself is going to dictate who you talk about more. If I'm doing Bulls Kings for the Bulls, like I'm not going to give you as much info on the Kings because you don't really need to know it. You need to know the treetop stuff as a Bulls fan but then you have to kind of figure out how much of these same stories are you going to tell for your own team? How do you keep the broadcast fresh every night? If the Bulls are, are struggling, you know, how do you navigate through that? Which, again, the last couple of years has been good practice. You know, the Bulls were out of the playoff hunt in a couple of games I called. They were in the playoff hunt in a handful of games I called. I've seen both sides of it. So 
those are just some of the, I know kind of a long answer, but those are just some of the different challenges and, and, uh, you know, nuances of it. Is what's going to the sports broadcaster fantasy world. If there's one guy you could have as a color analyst for any game, who would it be? Man, uh, great question. Uh, if I had the chance to work with John Madden mm. to do yeah. like a Super Bowl, <laughs> I think that'd be pretty cool. Mm. Like, just like, you know, like I've, I've known him in different spaces of my life. Like I knew him as a kid as like the guy on TV. And I've then I, as like a teenager, I knew him as like the video game guy. And now I kind of understand the full scope of why he's so important to football, to the NFL in particular. So uh, if I, if I had a chance to do a game with him, I think that'd be awesome. Who's the play-by-play guy, one play-by-play guy that you looked up to, that you listened to um, as you were growing up? Well, I mean, there's so many, especially coming from Chicago. You know, there's a lot of great ones. Uh, you know, I, I imagine, I, I, again, I don't know where you guys are all from, but if, if it's is it a Utah show. Essentially? Yeah, yeah like, Utah, yep. So, you know, I imagine Hot Rod, hum, you know, Hot Rod Hunley was probably a guy that a lot of people listen to. You know, I know David Locke does a lot of good work now and has for a long time. Like, you know, those were guys that, you know, the, the, the Hot Rod Hunley of Chicago is like Neil Funk, you know, or Jim Durham or, <laughs> or Pat Hughes. Like, there's a lot of those types of guys in, uh, in this city in particular. So you grow up with a lot of good influences. And then when you start to do the job, or like I'm going to school, going to college, I'm, and I'm starting to become more of a student of it, you naturally latch on to a lot of the national broadcasters just because they're calling most of the games that you're watching, you know? So it's it's a mix of a lot of Chicago people and a lot of national people, many of whom I now get to call colleagues, you know, or and, and at times coworkers. So it's been cool to have have that, you know, relationship eventually with a Dan Schulman or an Ian Eagle or a Mike Tirico or a Sean McDonough. It's, it's, it's cool to, you know, be able to call those people colleagues. It's a, it's a, it's a very cool experience. Adam, I waited till the end cause uh, I'm, I'm from Northern Indiana, so I'm a Bulls fan as well. And I wanted to ask you what you make of the Chicago Bears quarterback situation as a fan. Good gosh. I want to know. I'm a Bears <laughs> fan. He's from Chicago. He's a Chicago fan. I mean, I call the preseason game, so like I, I there, you go, there you go. But I'm, I'm I, I, this, this will be my third year doing their preseason games, assuming we have one. And I think uh, it's it's good for Mitch to be pushed. You know, he hasn't really been the last couple of years. He hasn't really been pushed in the position. And like, I love Chase Daniel. I think like he's an awesome human being, and he was a really good capable quarterback. Uh, he wasn't pushing Mitch Trubisky for the starting job. And now I think there's a, there's potential there to kind of get Mitch into a place where he is, you know, it's, it's, he, I think he needs a, a little bit of a push. I think he's got a chip on the shoulder mentality and I think he takes some things to heart. And I think having somebody there uh, to really truly challenge him for the job is a good thing for him. And if, he gets beat out like you're looking right now at the backup quarterback position being more important than ever uh that is pre-covid-19 now with this uh uh added element to uh, uh hopefully a 2020 season 
Like with this as an added element, the backup quarterback is that much more important. So uh, I don't think having somebody who's got a Super Bowl ring uh, in that position as a potential backup or maybe as a, as a starter, I don't think that's a bad thing by any means. Adam, you are so damn good. This was so much fun. That was the quickest 15 minutes I could have ever. Uh, I just It's a shame that it has to come to an end. But thank you so much for your time. Greatly appreciate you. We'll be watching for you. I uh, wish you the best. Thanks, boys. Appreciate you. Thanks, hey, you Adam. You bet.